Italy goes to the polls today. The general election was called in July after technocrat PM Mario Draghi resigned. Draghi had been president of the European Central Bank for most of the last decade, but formed a government of national unity in February 2021 in the midst of the pandemic. But the national unity was short-lived. Polls now predict a right-wing coalition government, and history will be made if, as the polls also suggest, Giorgia Maloney, the 45-year-old leader of Fratelli d'Italia, becomes the nation's first female prime minister. In 2008, at the age of just 31, Maloney became Italy's youngest ever minister in a Berlusconi coalition government. She founded Fratelli d'Italia, or Brothers of Italy, uh, not long after that, and in 2018 it only had 4% support. But after staying out of the national unity government, it soared to around 25% support this year. Carlo Bastazine is a senior fellow at the Brookings Institute and he's written on the rise of Giorgia Maloney. I spoke with him earlier from Italy. Thanks for having me, Julian. Carlo, could you tell us a little bit about the career of Giorgia Maloney and the Fratelli d'Italia party that she founded back in 2012? The tradition of the party goes uh, even back decades. It's Brothers of Italy is a party which followed other political formation going back to the immediate post-war period. This is why we normally connotate Brothers of Italy as a party which has roots in what we call post-fascist tradition. According to polls, as you mentioned, uh, Italians uh, seem to be inclined to see Meloni as their last remaining option to voice their discomfort with the political establishment or with the way the economy has been managed during the last 30 years. Giorgia Maloney herself told an Italian newspaper that there are no nostalgic fascists, racists or anti-Semites in the Brothers of Italy DNA. Do you agree with that assessment, Carlo? You know, there is a lot of ambiguity in uh, Meloni in her relation with uh, fascism. In the deep of her heart, she is nostalgic and wants to preserve the symbols, at least, uh, of uh, fascism. One example, she was requested to take the flame away from the symbol of the party's standards, the flame is actually the flame which is burning on Mussolini's grave. So it's evidently a sign of a link with the most compromised and controversial political tradition of this country in the 20th century. And she's not denying it. She refused to. I think it's a symptom of a deep entrenched link with an idea of ethnic homogeneity, of Italians first, which is outdated. And my main point in analyzing Meloni is that the very core of her political line is victimhood. Uh, victimhood, she is a very powerful emotional language that can be linked to the current predicament that Italy is facing as being exploited by other countries, by foreign powers, by international finance, by, I don't know, any kind of conspiracy around. This is a very powerful emotional argument. And I think it's uh, her stronger suit. And rather than blaming others, 
And in this case, it's migrants, it's Europe, it's whoever, not themselves. This is horrible. And if you add that she's even excusing Mussolini, embracing the symbol of Mussolini's grave, <laughs> this is disconcerting. It, that Meloni herself is kind of a living contradiction of uh, the suspicion that she that she's embodies fascist culture. She's a relatively young woman, and the fact that she's young and a woman diffuses her characterization as someone whose culture is rooted in fascism. She's not mirroring the image of the typical old, virile, and nostalgic man. Carlo Bastasin, why is it that Fratelli d'Italia has risen so dramatically in the polls over the last few years? And at whose expense has that been? Fratelli d'Italia, Brothers of Italy, has kept off the last government. And that was beneficial because Brothers of Italy appeared as the only option available to the Italian electorate to voice their unhappiness, general sentiment of discomfort with the way the country has been managed. This goes back much longer than uh, the last government. Actually, the last government had a high degree of appreciation among the public opinion. And Mario Draghi, the outgoing prime minister, is probably the most reputed figure that Italians uh, acknowledge, uh, according to the polls. So, So it was not specific of the last government. It goes back 30 years, at least. During the last 30 years, there has not been any single political majority at government, which has not been outvoted at the next election. This sense of irritation that Italians are willing to express, ready to voice as soon as they have the opportunity to cast a vote, uh, is a paradoxical regularity of instability. (laughs) We are constant in our instability, voicing a sense of irritation that was born out of the experience of the early 90s, when a number of coincidental crises conjured together. The first was the bribe scandal, which is still very much alive in Italians' minds. We still think of politicians, of the corrupt uh, class that was wiped off by the judicial power at the beginning of the 90s. Together with this came a financial crisis, And the state was asking to the Italians to pay more taxes in the very moment when the credibility of the political class was the lowest. The combination of these two trauma at the beginning of the 90s is still very much alive. And it's producing a constant demand for protest parties. Meloni is just the only remaining option. So I suppose that decision not to join the government of national unity has turned out to be politically advantageous. I I suppose if there's that tradition as well, Carlo Bustazine, of different parties rising, it leads to the question of is there anything distinctive and distinctively worrying about Georgia Maloney compared to some of the previous parties that have filled that space for popular discontent? Well, it's a great question. Essentially, Italy's political margin of maneuver are rather thin. Italy is constrained in many ways, uh, both from by 
checks and balances inside the country by its inherent political instability, because uh, internal infightings among uh, even coalition parties. But it's also constrained by belonging to the European Union, which exerts strong discipline in terms of fiscal policy, first of all, but also in terms of respect of the basic tenets of the treaties, which are based on the rights of individuals. And uh, you are seeing what is happening in Hungary. Hungary is violating uh, the European Charter of Rights, and this violation has been punished by Brussels, by the EU Commission, which has suspended the delivery of the money that Hungary was expecting from the partners. Something similar may happen uh, with Italy if uh, Meloni reduces civil rights. What issues have dominated the election campaign and and who has performed best during the campaign period? She's definitely the leader who has emerged as dominating the campaign at the cost of her allies. That means that her coalition, Meloni's coalition, might emerge not as strong as she wishes. We're really watching with a great deal of attention the results that are coming out tonight. Because while it's a complicated electoral system and they need to be interpreted, but it may emerge that even the starting point of this coalition may be more wobbly than uh, we now assume. It will become even more wobbly because the economic conditions. Just imagine we expect inflation to be around 10% at the end of the year. That means that real income of Italian households is eroded by 10%. How will Meloni react? She will be tempted to, to compensate, but there is no money to do that. So if she indulges too much in fiscal profligacy, she may incur into violation of the European rules. How will she react then? Will she pick a fight with the European institutions? Or she will fall in line, as all the others at the end of the game have done. And all of these uh, traumatic and challenging situations are occurring in the context of Italy also changing its electoral system, Carlo. Could you give us a brief outline of what the changes in the electoral system are at this election? Will they favour a particular party, do you think? The main chain concerns a number of members of parliaments. It's part of a legitimate, but still driven by populist uh, instincts, uh, the request that the number of politicians will shrink. And uh, now, just to give you a sense, in the Chamber of Deputies, instead of 630 MPs, there will be only 400. This obviously created tensions inside the parties, increased the strength of the leaders uh, who were asked to choose the candidates. Uh, It's still unknown how much leadership these changes will grant to the party leaders. In a country which is well known for its political instability, we will probably see after November some reverberations. Yes, I was going to ask you how long it was likely to take from the country going to the polls for the actual outcome and the formation of a government to occur. It could be a matter of months from what you're saying. Well, the new parliament will be called on October 13, if I'm not mistaken, 
And uh, at that moment, you expect uh, the uh, leader of the first party, of the most voted party, we expect Giorgio Meloni, to be mandated with the task of forming the government. Uh, I know, actually, that she's selecting people and trying to figure out who can be a minister in her new government. Uh, she has to compensate uh, the need for qualified people who will play a reassuring role toward the international community and toward the rest of the electorate with a temptation uh, to nominate uh, people who, in her mind, are more trustworthy. Well, uh, Carlo Bastasin, it sounds like there may be more instability in the coming months, but it's been really instructive to get your analysis and explanation of the situation. Thank you so much for speaking with us on Sunday Extra. My pleasure. Thank you, Julie. And Carlo Bastasin is Senior Fellow in Foreign Policy at the Brookings Institution, and he also wrote the book Saving Europe, Anatomy of a Dream. It's easier than ever to hear your favourite local and national ABC radio stations live and on demand on the ABC Listen app.